You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have an interesting show for you guys. It's kind of a unique one because we're coming off of a unique week. USC's game against Cal was postponed until December 4th. It's now an 8 p.m. kickoff. Just brutal. Just gross. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that because, I mean, that gives people the option if they want to. They can drive up the day of. But that just completely takes out the weekender. Now it just becomes the Saturdayer if the, <laughs> if people make that, that decision. If they want to, yes. And it's just so late. I guess the one good thing is if you get up to San Francisco early or if you're you know watching from home, you get to watch all the, the uh, conference championship games across the country because everything is going to be over before this game is played. So there's going to be no interest in this game. No one's going to watch this game unless they're just, you know, if you're, you're one of those Sad people. Sad on that, a Saturday. Just I kidding. guess, yeah. You know, if your team loses, you're like, well, I'll just watch this other game to feel better about my team or something like that. Um, but it, it's an interesting timing, and I, I think they had to do that because of the conference championships. Uh, I feel like that's the reason why it is so late. I feel like it had to be super early or super late just because, you know, none of the none of the TV um, channels, the organizations are going to say, oh, yeah, we'll give you a primetime spot when we're trying to host, you know, the, the Big Ten championship or the, you know, the, the SEC championship at the same time. So I think for USC to get on national TV – this was the only slot, so just an interesting choice, and kind of fitting for the Pac-12. Like, hey, you had your it's championship odd, yeah. on Friday. Hey, here's your champion. Here's two teams where that should be much better than they are. Yeah, Chris? I don't know if this is like a real thing, but it's like you know, like when you go to like a, a bar that's having live music and they have like an opener mm-hmm. for the band that's the headliner. This is like USC Cal is like the closer. It's like the big show's already over. Everyone's tired. You just have like somebody come on and play to close out the final <laughs> 30 minutes of the bar to close it out. It's like a buy no one's heard of. Nobody cares of watching. Everyone's drunk. Everyone's dirty. Everyone's tired. Everyone's trying to finish their last drinks or take something home. It's just no one. No one's paying attention. That That's what it feels like. I don't know if that's an actual thing. If there's like a such thing as a closer. I feel like there it is a thing. I feel like that's happened before. I feel like a bar, I feel but. like there's something such as a closer. If you work in the bar industry, you know, <laughs> let me know because I feel like this is a perfect analogy for what USC Cal is. It does kind of feel like that. Yeah, but anyway, we got to focus on the game this week. It's rivalry week again. USC faces crosstown rival UCLA, so we'll get into that. Especially the news that true freshman quarterback Jackson Dart is getting the start, making the first start of his Trojan career in a rivalry game in the Coliseum. So that should be interesting. He's a gamer, so will will he will the light turn on under the midday lights? Midday lights, yeah. Of, of the Coliseum. Midday lights, yeah. Midday Those lights. One p.m. lights. Yep. We'll see. We shall see indeed. There could um, still be a spotlight on him, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, we also have to answer some questions that you guys sent in. If you have any comments or questions to the pod, do email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com or look out for a tweet that Shotgun Spratling sends out asking for your tweets. We also got some take it or leave it to get to and maybe some basketball to talk about. Hoop that is. Well done. <laughs> You're continuing that in? That's just... Yeah, that's just okay. a thing now. Okay. This show was a just... 
an amalgamation of bits that I just collect along the way and I'm just going to keep it going, you know? You know what I was thinking about the other day? If you have never really listened to this podcast or haven't since like we started as a trio. Shame on you. Shame on you? Shame on you. Shamu. But I feel like it'd be kind of confusing. You get lost, right? I don't know. Whatever. Tweet us if you're lost. <laughs> we'll try and clear out any bits you don't understand. Well, like I said, it's a unique week unique episode that means we don't have stock up stock down so basically i'm putting my question asker host hat on which is it's kind of always on it's like shotgun's hat it's just always on for me um <laughs> there I is do an take my hat. hat off you know people don't think you do though <laughs> people think you're like bald and have no hair and i'm like no it's, a, it's all over the place it, right yeah now. yeah so I want there to be an actual hat question hat yeah make one and i'll wear it oh okay. no horse hat horse hat see that's a bit that if you're not you don't know what's happening Alrighty, let's start with what people still kind of care about in this season. We're in the home stretch and the final like kind of spark of interest that fans could have, really, honestly, is Jackson Dart. And he's getting his first start, like I said, on Saturday. Dart start. Are you surprised that Dante Williams went ahead and announced this as early as he has? Because, I mean, we saw this since Keaton got hurt, or excuse me, since Dart got hurt, both actually. Dante really wanted to keep the mystery around, oh, who's going to start when Dart basically had surgery the week of the Oregon State game. But he was like, you never know. We'll see. Game time decision. But we knew it was going to be Keaton. Is it weird that now he's like, hey, uh, Jackson Dart has a start, the start under his belt? Yeah, when Jackson was back and there was the whole like every week is like, where's Jackson? Where's Jackson? Where's Jackson stand? Can he play this week? It was like. Dante was just in the back and he had like he rented a fog machine and he was just trying to <laughs> pump out that fog, but it wasn't really going that far. You know, it wasn't like it's like it was just like a barely thin layer at the bottom. He wasn't getting all the smoke he wanted. The smoke screen was not working because we all kind of see like, I don't think Jackson's going to play. This doesn't look right. And then, you know, obviously he would do it. A, it, it worked a little bit more when Jackson was doing a lot more stuff in practice. You know, he was doing seven on seven, started taking first team reps. Uh, splitting first team reps and then it was like oh now now it's a little bit of a, a smokescreen now i see why he's doing it now he he could have done something similar for for keaton's uh leg thing uh that wasn't surgery but he just went out and said it because i always felt like dante just always wanted at some point to start the freshman he he wanted to throw him in there Whatever the case may be, like he has his reasons, you know, he likes the mobility, whatever. He he liked what he he won with him in his debut at Washington State. Maybe that just holds so dear in his heart and he just wanted to roll with him at some point. But that's where we are now. And it does seem weird that now there's no mind game going on or chess moves being played with with is he gonna play, is Keaton gonna play, is he not gonna play? Just just put it out there. Yeah, very surprising to me. Very surprising because of how much Dante has tried to make teams prepare for multiple things. I didn't even talked to him about this when, at a high school game that I was with. And, you know, I said, we'd love it if you give us, you know, more, more, uh, more clarity on some of the injuries. He said, Hey, it's not, it's not about you guys. You know, it's not that I am trying to mess with you guys or anything. It's because I want teams to have to prepare for, for, you know, everyone, not just, you know, guys that are completely healthy, but guys that may be available as well. You know, what, just keep them on their toes and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's very surprising for him to just go ahead and make that announcement. It's surprising to me that Keaton Slovis isn't doing anything. So I don't know what the, the actual quote-unquote lower leg injury is. We've seen a sleeve on his knee. But Mo Hassan tore his ACL 
and came back. You know, granted, it was a couple months later after the, the ACL, but he was throwing in practice. Like Keaton Slovis isn't throwing or doing anything. No rehab island. And yeah, so you know, and that's what Dante said. He said that's why he made the decision. He said, hey, you can see that obviously he's not doing anything. The players all know, so there was no you know big you know uh, announcement to the team or anything because he's like they all could see that Jackson's the only one the only one practicing. So that's why he's going to be out there. And Dante Williams said that he has a policy where if you miss a practice, you're not going to start. So he's just go ahead and getting out in front of it, it seems like, and saying, oh, Jackson Dart's going to be the starter. But very surprising to me because of his, you know, his history so far this season of yep. wanting to have, you know, that 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 uh, lingering doubt for the opposition and say, oh, we got to prepare for Keaton Slovis and what he does, and we got to prepare for Jackson Dart, what they may do differently with him. But the real thing is, they're not doing anything different with those two guys. So uh, you know, besides maybe Jackson Dart taking off more on the read option, but an opposition there's not like this a completely separate package or anything they're not running a completely different offense with Jackson Dart in there so maybe they just decided it's it's not going to be something that's going to be really confusing for UCLA so let's just go ahead and make the decision I think it's interesting though because Chip Kelly's the the chess master right wouldn't you want if there was a game to be mysterious wouldn't this help you I, I mean you would think you want to you want every advantage you can and you know if you can force the opposition to spend even five minutes on an extra player, whether it be Michael Trigg, whether it be Jackson Dart uh, or Keaton Slovis or where, you know, whoever it may be, then that's five minutes where they're not practicing on something that you're actually going to use in the game. So uh, that's the whole mentality of coaches. Um, but, you know, maybe Dante Williams is – this is just the maturation of him as a coach. And he said, you know, it doesn't make any sense to keep on the charade and let's just go ahead and make the announcement. And I think it's better for the quarterback because now – he knows that he's a starter. Everyone else can be behind him as a team. I mean, if that was his thinking, then I think that's a, a good job of him of maturing. But I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I just don't understand why they did this with his track record so far this season. That's why it just it just seems kind of out of the blue and kind of kind of surprising just that, that they decided to go ahead and make that announcement and do it even before the media saw the team this week. He made the announcement on Trojans Live on Monday. So then when we came in, it wasn't even, hey, could Keaton Slovis be ready this weekend? It was just like, you've made the decision. So, you know, what's going to change for you guys this week now that Jackson Dart is the starting quarterback? Yeah. And I asked Dante on Tuesday, what what changed? Like, why change your philosophy? And he said, for one, I have a policy on guys practicing or not practicing. Second thing is he's earned the right He's done a good job as far as playing in games and practicing and everything else. It's a competition I would love to continue to have, but it's hard to have a competition when there's only one guy available. So that was his answer. It's it's interesting for sure. Uh, Miller Moss is like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was also interesting. <laughs> just the way he talked about Miller Moss and it was just a complete... You mean didn't talk about Miller Moss? He threw his name in there at the very end like, oh yeah, we got Miller Moss too. He's a quarterback on this roster. Rough. It's definitely rough. My question is, and this is just a random one, does this impact USC's defense once again? Because the scout team quarterback is Miller Moss, but now he's getting second team reps. Are you getting good looks? And that's something we've heard all season long. The scout team is just not prepping good looks, according to players and coaches. The scout team has been in shambles for like several weeks just they're using linebackers as defensive linemen it's just not a great look in the first place one they've had some depth issues in certain uh, areas but there's just mysterious players missing 
Where has Casey Collier been for a month and a half? Where has Dorian Hewitt been for a month and a half? Yesterday they had they had four cornerbacks, and one of them was a converted safety, Zamarian Gordon. Um, so no Jaden Williams, no Joshua Jackson, no Sierra Wright. You know, just several scholarship players have just not been at practice at times, and we haven't really got any clarity on some of those players. They have had some injuries at, at certain positions. The offensive line. You know they've gotten they've got ten healthy guys right now, and they've got a couple of guys that they can move over to the scout team. But the scout team, you're getting you know walk ons now. When they started the season, I think they had eighteen, I think it was scholarship linemen. So you should be able to have two deep, and then your scout team should be your freshmen, your second year freshmen that are trying to develop. And so the defense should be getting a decent look from those guys. But it's down to you know one one scholarship guy, maybe two scholarship guys on that offensive line, some walk ons. There's just been a lot of walk ons in different areas. You got scholarship guys that are in different places. Whereas Ismail Sopcher yesterday at practice, he's he's has been in and out, has been disappearing uh, from practice at times. So you know trying to get healthy is is one thing, but where are some of these scholarship guys? I mean, last week when we did see them, when it was announced, I think they had you know forty five, something like forty forty five scholarship guys there. They have 85 scholarship players on their roster, but it felt like they had 40 or 45 healthy guys that were full go. Part of it's injuries, but just part of it, you know, just some guys that are not around the program right now. And that makes it that much more difficult to be able to do any scout team work, to be able to have that depth uh, of, you know, consistent depth where you can throw somebody in there and, you know, be comfortable with them. And we saw in the Arizona State game, the defensive line wore down, and they didn't have the depth to be able to go to someone else. Um, and at the end of the game, at the end of both halves, actually, was when they gave up some big runs. They gave up some lengthy drives because you know the, the defensive line, the, the linebackers wore down, and they just haven't been able to have consistent depth there with some of the injuries on the defensive line. But in, in other areas, it's just the depth is missing because some guys just aren't at practice, and we don't have an exact answer on all all of those. Uh, players that have just been kind of MIA. Speaking of absences, I just think it's noteworthy to note that me and Chris saw Bernard Shermer yesterday the for go- the first time. Maybe the what? ghost of Bernard Shermer. <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it was. There was a chill that passed over us. And, you know, maybe it was just because it was cold, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, we actually did see Bernard Shermer. He was walking uh, away from the practice field in street clothes. And, and he's a guy that. Very similar, like just would disappear for stretches of time. Hey, Coach, where is it? We're not always dealing with a personal issue. Mananoa Tofono has been gone the entire year because of a personal issue. You know, like uh, several guys have been missing because of personal issues the last couple of years. So, very strange. Bernard Shermer, maybe he's on campus to see his sister because she's on the volleyball team. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but he was a guy that was on the roster for a long time without ever being on the practice field. And now he, he was actually one of the guys they did finally remove from the roster. But very strange that you guys saw him yesterday. And Chris, you might you might be right. Might just been a ghost. Shotgun, you sound personally offended by these absences. It just doesn't make any sense, you know. When you, you talk about depth and being able to you know put your best foot forward in practice, and that's you you need to have all those bodies. You know, Chris and I are going to these high school games, and you see some of these teams. I've seen two massive blowouts the last two 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 games that I've seen, and part of it is. The losing team has had – one of the teams had like 24 players. The other one had like 35 or 40. 
compared to some of the, you know, your Boscos of modern day who have over 100 people on their roster, 120, 140, you know, if you include the JV players and whatnot. So, you know, it's a huge discrepancy because one, you can practice harder. Two, if someone goes down, you have the depth to fill in. And if you have one absence, it doesn't completely change everything for you. And that, I feel like that's been the case for USC at times. They just can't practice at the level they need to be practicing at. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference when you have Sam Darnold back there as opposed to a walk-on. As yeah. far as your scout team quarterback, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I want to circle back to something you... And, and just real quick, and one of the things that maybe we'll see from Jackson Dart is you know, that chemistry that you develop on scout team, is that going to be there for a guy like Jackson Dart who never necessarily had those reps, or Miller Moss if he has to go into the game? Because Sam Darnold... When he when he finally took over his head as the starting quarterback, had that that camaraderie with Daniel Mortabebe and with Don, Deontay Burnett because those guys were crushing it on scout team, over and over and over. Um, is that going to be the case for Miller Moss or you know in these guys? And, you know which wide receivers are really give you know over there with the scout team and giving a great look. You know I don't know if there's necessarily being able to build that camaraderie when you have Brandon Costello or Isaac Ward as a walk on getting those scout team reps well that's what i asked you on instant yesterday Um, when we did see sam darnold elevate to qb1 we saw those receivers that he was with kind of elevate as well could we see that with jackson Dart now that he we know he's going to be the starting quarterback come saturday is there a guy that you think he has that connection with well it's very clearly i believe his roommate mike jack mike jack michael jackson the third thriller himself (laughs) I got to get that going on Twitter if he, if he blows up this weekend. But yeah, we you talked to we actually talked to him. We mm-hmm. joint interviewed him. But yeah, Michael Jackson is a guy, you know, came in in the spring, was very productive in the spring, got a lot of reps because, you know, wide receiver depth was was in shambles at that point, didn't have a lot, so they needed guys to step up. Made an impression in the uh in the spring showcase game. I mean, that's your proof right there that they have a connection. You know, Jackson Dart was looking for number 13. They made a lot of plays together. Made some big plays together. So, you know, got his first catch last week. Your roommate, the guy you've been bonding with this whole year, is now QB1. That's got to bump your stock up a little bit. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's something where if you have that connection off the field, then it helps it that much easier on the field. You can communicate in a different way than maybe you can with someone else uh, that you don't have a great relationship with. And I think the fact that we're seeing Michael Jackson get more opportunities the last couple weeks – I think that lends itself to saying, oh, Dart may look for him. Dart kind of knows they probably, because you're roommates, you probably go out and throw on your own together. You know, during the summer, that's something they probably did. So he knows that when, you know, based on his shoulders, when he's going to break, all these small little details, then he may not have that camaraderie with a, uh, a different receiver. So he's the one guy you think that, that, could, that could see a big bump there. But Jackson Dart has also been... He's got a ton of reps with guys like Kyle Ford, guys that are on that second group. Um, so, you know, USC is obviously looking for receivers to step up. And I think Kyle Ford is another guy that could potentially uh, we could see more. Or John Jackson. John Jackson needs to be on the field. He runs routes better than anyone else on the team. They need guys that run great routes and get open. And so John Jackson needs to be out there. He catches the ball. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the tallest guy. He's not the strongest guy. But he gets open. And they need guys to get open right now. So John Jackson needs to be on the field. And I think that Dart probably has a pretty good um, rapport with him as well because both those guys have spent so much time on the second team. To qu- your theme for the week or your quote for the week for John Jackson is, play that man. Play that man. Exactly. You guys like almost started a campaign yesterday at practice. Look, I mean, I've been on the campaign for a while. <laughs> oh, okay. You've been <laughs> you on know, the staff? Yeah. 
So the it's it's getting back up. Okay. We're getting back more traction, you know. Okay. It's it's play that man. And, okay. And he's as close as USC has to a man in the wide receiver room because he's older than everybody else. So, um, you know, he's twenty, probably twenty two years old now. He's four years removed from high school. So, you know, he's an experienced guy, even though he hasn't got a ton of playing time. He is a more experienced guy, and he does the work in practice every day. I mean, he took a took a bad shot yesterday on a errant throw, um, and just bad bad timing. Yeah, bad shot below the waist, um, and you know he was back up two plays later, and you know running a go route, and that's you know I would have been out for a while. Uh, all I'm saying is it can't hurt. No, that shot did hurt. <laughs> no, not that, not that. <laughs> Playing JJ three. Yeah, like, and, and looking for him, you know, as a guy that can get open instead of just, hey, he's on one side, we're going to look the other way, which is sometimes what happens when those backups have rotated in. Hey, Drake London, run a, run a couple of deep routes. We're going to put put John Jackson in there. Hey, okay, well, we're going to look to Taj Washington now. No, look for him. He's a guy that gets open. He's a guy, especially uh, in this rivalry against UCLA, and there's several players from from uh, Guardian Sarah on that on that uh, UCLA roster as well, I think he could go off if they give him the opportunity. Now, circling back to something you said earlier, Shotgun, and you also kind of alluded to this on Instant, I feel like you feel like there is no fundamental difference, really, between Keen Silvis and Jackson Dart, besides the leadership kind of ability, ignitability, if you will, of Dart. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the two and the way they're playing, Keaton Slovis has played better the two games that they both played in the game. Jackson Dart has struggled to connect on passes over 10 yards. He's 3 of 14 the last two games. That's something that they, they got to figure out. they got to be able to add that deep ball element to the offense. That's something Keaton Slovis has done better for them. But basically, there's very similar quarterbacks, especially with Dart not taking off and running as much. Keaton Slovis kept a lot of plays alive as well. Keaton Slovis you know, got out and ran the read option in the last game. That was part of the game plan. So you know, there's not a ton that's you know, completely different, and they don't treat them different. It's not like the, you come in and you got an actual Dart package. Oh, Dart's coming in. All right, we're going to run this special play. We're going to run this other thing. It's just Dart's going in. He's going to run the offense. So I don't see that there's a giant uh, divide in these two quarterbacks and what they can do. But the big difference is, listen to everyone talking about Dart yesterday. Listen to, you know, just the, you can see the excitement in players when they start talking about Dart. You know, he, everyone loves him because he brings that energy, brings that juice. And that's something Keaton Slovis doesn't do. Keaton Slovis is a much more quiet, calm guy, very similar to Sam Darnold, I think. Now, Sam Darnold wowed people with his playmaking ability, but then he went to the sideline and he kind of sat by himself. Everybody come over and pat him on the shoulder pads. But that's more, much more Keaton Slovis, very similar to that, where he's off on his own. Jackson Dart is around everyone. He's rallying everybody. He's a much more vocal leader, even though he's a freshman. And I think that that's what this team needs right now. So, you know, if they were, if everybody was healthy and, you know, and they were just picking one guy, like Dart would be the guy I think you need to go to right now as far as bring life and bring energy. Now, I think the best way this system would have worked is using Keaton Slovis and having an actual dart package with different plays. And then if Keaton Slovis is struggling, go to dart and ride with him the rest of the game. That's not going to be the case. Obviously, they're starting dart. So I'm curious to see the energy that this team brings. And if he makes a special play early, this team could roll, um, And which is they could. There's a lot of coulds in this team because there's a ton of potential on this team, but they don't often play up to their potential. But I think that 
it's it'll be interesting to see how this team rallies around him because he has everyone in the locker room. You know, generally when there's two quarterbacks, there's a split. You got your veteran guys that are going with the guy that's been established. Um, but I think those veteran guys are Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughns, the guys that are gone now, Drake London even. Whereas Jackson Dart, all the receivers are brand new. Everyone's in their first or second year, really, uh, as far as the guys that are starting and what and getting the majority of the playing time. So Dart fits in right with them. Your running backs are brand new. So I feel like the the offense is going to rally around him, and it'll be interesting to see how they do and you know if it's a roller coaster of emotions or if you know they get off to a great start and they can you know carry that throughout the rest of the game in a rivalry game. You guys see it more than me, but obviously this team has like an energy problem on the sideline when they get down or their things are not going right. That seems to just sink into the whole sideline and a lot of down faces and there's not a lot of you know, people bring trying to bring it back up. You know, that's why, you know, they had the practices with the towels or whatever, trying to trying to generate that more. And like everything you just said, Dart's a guy who can go up and down the sideline to get things going. And that's sort of what this team has been missing at times. Yeah, and I think it's genuine. So I, I think that it's not like he's trying to put on a you know a facade of trying to be a hype guy, basically. Um, and as long as he's playing well then I think everyone follows that. The problem is if he throws an early interception or they just start out the first quarter as a struggle, does everyone listen to him and go with that hype? They're like, dude, freshman, get over there, calm down. I don't think that's the case with Dart because of the way everyone talks about him, but that is the one concern when you have a freshman that takes over and he's a, you know, a big energy guy and you have an offensive line where everyone's 22, 23 years old. Someone's married. Married, you know, I'm, I'd be surprised if there, there's not some children on that. Should should be some children on the offensive line. You would feel like, but with how old those guys are, um, I, I think I think Liam Jimmins might be 37. Not exactly. Sure. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but Liam Jimmins is a six year guy. Everyone else on there that's going to play is a fourth or fifth year guy. They have a super experienced offensive line right now. And if you're jumping around and, and are those offensive linemen, I'm like, dude, just calm down. It doesn't seem like that. Talking to everyone, they they feel like Dart. You know, talking to Brett Nealon, talking to Andrew Voorhees. Um, you know, everyone seems to be rallying around him. So I'm curious to see if the team follows with that. And if they get off to a good start, I think that could carry them through an entire rivalry game. But if they get off to a bad start, what happens? And that's the concern when Chris talks about. You know, you have guys trying to pick. You have some guys trying to pick some people up, and it's just you see down faces and stuff. This team doesn't respond well. So if things don't go their way early, you know you get a pick six, you get a fumble recovered for a return for a touchdown, block punt, whatever. Is this team just going to be like, all right, well that's it? To be fair, Dart did make mistakes against Washington State, and they were able to turn it around. But I mean, that also came with the Dante Williams halftime speech that actually was effective at that point. But and I mean, also came with a defensive fourth down stand true. to keep them out of the end zone when that. That score could have gotten out of control early. That's a good point. Um, and they held it close enough, and then the big play, obviously, right before half, changed the momentum completely. I just think if you... Because we, we hear it a lot. If you want to hear what players kind of feel about uh, Jackson Dart, I would go watch the Keontae Ingram interview from Tuesday. He, I think Just he, hype it up, why don't you? Oh, I mean, okay, I interviewed him. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's not why. It's just he is great... Keontae is great to talk to and mm-hmm. he's great at like providing anecdotes to what he's saying. And so he just like really described that it's the authenticity 
of Dart. You know, from the moment he came in, he he said he was swaggy from the moment he walked in. But he talked to everyone, like defense and offense. You know, he wasn't just isolated to the offensive guys. And I think that in itself has earned him credibility. So when he is jumpy or when he is whatever, like we saw the the bravado in, in spring camp and whatnot, I think he can back it up because he is consistent on and off the field. You know what I mean? It's not just, hey, I'm putting on a show because we're in the Coliseum and I got to perform now, you know? And things will go real smooth for USC if they can design some plays to get guys open. That Gary Bryant throw, that wasn't a great throw. It wasn't like he fitted into a perfect window. Gary Bryant was wide open, ran right by the safeties, wide open. And that turns into a huge momentum play in that Washington State game. That's what needs to happen, and that's what hasn't been happening in this offense for either quarterback. There's not a ton of wide-open guys. Drake London created a lot of one-on-one opportunities for other people, but no one's you know there's not a ton of contested catches being made on, on this offense so uh without Drake London so can they design some stuff some special stuff against UCLA to create some open guys you know a couple years ago or maybe it was even last year Tyler Vaughn's they they ran some uh some sluggos some different things some double moves to create some openings against UCLA and got Tyler Vaughn's a touchdown on one of them uh, I believe that was last year um but you know, will there be some special stuff designed for UCLA? I didn't expect that there will be. You know, obviously, you, you got to try to win those rivalry games. You got to try to implement some new things against them. And this is not a very good UCLA defense. So there should be some openings if they can scheme things for for against UCLA. Then that can get the ball rolling um, instead of saying we're just going to run our normal plays, our six plays that we run, our two page playbook, and you know we should just be able to to do it better than they they can defend it. Not an overall great defense, but it will bring the number two rushing defense in the Pac-12 to this game. And that's just great, want to throw that out. That's a great point because USC is going to get a stack box. UCLA is going to put you know seven, eight guys in there, force Jackson Dart to beat them early. And so that's why if you can you know scheme something, you should get some man-to-man coverage out there. You should get some one-on-ones, and you know if you scheme something up, maybe that creates an open uh, open receiver. Dart throws it, big play, that gets the the momentum and the flow going because they're going to stack the box and try to take away Keontae Ingram, similar to what Arizona State did. The offensive line talked to multiple of those guys yesterday, and they said, we just got to be more physical, even if it's six defenders versus five offensive linemen or you know, there's an extra defender depending on the tight ends. They just have to be more physical with their individual blocks and then hope that Keontae Ingram, or even expect Keontae Ingram to make that first guy miss because what, that's what he does. Uh, but... He can make that first guy miss, but is there going to be a second and a third guy if they're not holding their blocks? So the the, the big thing that the, the Clay McGuire seems to be telling everyone or telling the offensive lineman this week is one more second. Give him one more second, whether it's pass pro for Jackson Dart or with Keontae Ingram. Give him one more second and, and try to you know create that extra extra time for the, the running back or the quarterback to make a special play. Now over on defense, are you expecting anything different or is this just going to be what we've seen? Shotgun's he, making a sour sh- face right Shotgun now. Shotgun has been talking about Zach Charbonnet and this defense for what feels like 10 years. <laughs> At least six weeks. If, if Charbonnet doesn't run for 600 yards, then I'm going to be like, Shotgun. 600 yards? Shotgun. Wow. You've been hyping it up like every yeah. every every week. It's another 100. Add another 100 on top. <laughs> He's up to like 600 yards. If he doesn't go for at least 250, I'm going to be disappointed in you. Well, I don't think he's going to go for 250. Okay. 
Rashad White didn't even go for 250. Could have. <clears throat> if they had kept running the ball. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. And USC stacking the box, and they were still giving up those big runs and stuff. Charbonnet hasn't gone for 250 this year. He's got five 100-yard games, but doesn't have one in the last month. Saving it for you. Could be. Um, it's for shoddy. For shoddy. <laughs> he did have three touchdowns last game, but he only ran for 67 yards against Colorado. But he's got that downhill. I think I don't think it's necessarily Zach Charbonnet, but their rushing attack is going to give USC trouble because USC has struggled to stop the run, and that's what they want to do. They want to be downhill. They want to take the pressure off of Dorian Thompson-Robinson and then go play action and then hit Greg Dulcich, hit Kyle Phillips on those play action passes. And I think that's it's going to give USC fits. You know, even with the extra week to prepare, you know, USC has struggled against I mean, against UCLA's offense the last couple of years. You know, they put up a good amount of points. What was the score last year? It was out of control. Off the top of my head, it feels like it was a 43-38. I don't know why. I mean, the la- actually, the last two years, the, I mean, it's been out of control. The, the game at the Coliseum two years ago. What did you say, Chris? 43-38. Well done. That's no, it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> And then two years ago, USC had a score over 50 points to win the game. So, you know, it's it's not like USC's defense has done anything to, to slow this offense down. It was 52-35 two years ago. Yeah. So And a 4-7 and seven UCLA team. So USC has to score points, one. But I'm really concerned about the defense with the way that UCLA has been able to run the ball against USC the past couple of years and attack with the tight ends. Their tight ends have crushed USC uh, multiple you know, the last three or four years, actually. So everything from Caleb Wilson, former USC, walk-on turned UCLA draft pick, um, and to, to Greg Dulcich now, you know, USC has struggled to cover those tight ends. So that's something to keep an eye on. Can they slow the tight ends down? And that'll be really troublesome to do if they don't stop the run. And I don't think anything lends itself to believe, oh, yeah, they suddenly have figured out how to stop the run. They do get... It seems like they will get Nick Figueroa back. He did practice on Tuesday. How does he change things, his presence? You know, Nick, if you just talk to Vic Soto, he's going to praise Nick a lot. He He's more, he's consistent. That I think that's the biggest thing. He's a veteran. He knows what they're doing out there. It's like having another coach out there because he knows what's going on. He can get people settled, get people right. And like Shotgun mentioned, I believe on instant, that he can get to the quarterback. He can get in the backfield. He didn't finish all those plays a lot last year, but he was still, you know, their tackle for loss leader. He gets, he can make plays back there. And again, just the consistency, something that this defensive line has struggled with. Um, I think, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a fix, a fix it for everything. All the problems are not going to go out there and suddenly hold them to under 100 rushing yards. But I think he can help a lot just because, you know, he's a veteran and he knows what he needs to do out there. And he's consistent. He's consistent and he gives them options, too. Because he can play inside, he can play outside. He also allows them, if he plays on the edge, you can move Tuli Tuli Pelotu inside. Um, with the way they struggle with defensive tackle, with a true nose tackle, do you move Tuli down inside and, and play him along with Jacob Lichtenstein? You can do that. You can you know, you know, can just have an extra rotational piece with the defensive line where now you can move Tuli inside and play him some at the nose tackle position. And then, you know, Stanley Tafu and Jacob Lichtenstein and Max Gibbs are fresher because he's an extra body in there. And you get Jamar Sakona back potentially this week. You know, is he going to be, you know, added to the rotation? Just extra bodies there with Figueroa and Sakona. And Figueroa gives you those extra options. And, you know, you can use them on different packages. You know, it's not just 
Now he's got to line up a defensive end. You can move him inside on third and long situations. You can move him around a little bit. He gives you some extra options, especially with Corey Foreman being out with a concussion. Um, you know, that's another pass rusher that they can use, uh, especially in those third and long situations. So, overall, what are you expecting for this game on Saturday? Are we going? Can you expect anything with this USC team? I feel like I say I that every week, but yeah, I don't. This one is like super hard to just like just because it's a rivalry game, anything can happen. It's Jackson Dart, you know, it's just very much like I would not be shocked if UCLA just ran all over Jackson, could not really get going with the offense. It was like a blowout, or if it's like a straight shootout and they pull that out in the end, I, I could not tell you. I feel like it'll be a little bit more even with Jackson there, but I just think I just don't trust this team to score in the red zone. And I think that'll be the end-all, be-all in the end. They just can't get enough points on the board. Yeah, I think it's going to be a struggle there uh, to keep up with UCLA, you know, especially if UCLA's rushing attack is or is rolling. When's the last time, you know you say, oh, rivalry, you throw out the records, you never know what's going to happen, but when's the last time something really surprising happened in one of USC's rivalries? It's been pretty, you know, straightforward. I mean, you could say the 100-yard receiving game for four receivers yeah there's been some statistical anomalies i mean joshua kelly running for what 289 yards that stands out but it, it's not like the team performance like there's a three and 18 going against a nine and one team and you go ah, there's no chance and it's suddenly whoa this is a huge game and you know they're, they're almost pulling off an upset it's been pretty straightforward um you know the better team has won pretty much every time the ucla usc rivalry recently uh, and I mean the. I don't contend with that. 2018 game. You had a what a three and eight team it was versus a two and eight UCLA team. So they ended up three and eight, and USC ended up five and seven. They're both terrible teams. Okay, but still better. USC was still better by <laughs> what three points or whatever they were favored because by because it was a rivalry. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just saying your point is semantics are important, Shaka. True, but it, it is not even a big surprise when USC lost that game. You go, oh my god, I'm so surprised that, that happened. No, you said this team's not very good, and I wonder. I asked this to you guys yesterday. Does the animosity in a rivalry game go up when both teams aren't good? Because like this is something you're really fighting for now. Like you're not fighting because to you know to get to a college football playoff, a Pac-12 championship. You're fighting because you hate them. And we heard some. Uh, you know, uh, Bo Calvert, former USC, longtime USC commit, who was now a linebacker at UCLA, called USC the little boys across the street, I think it was. Oh, I didn't uh, hear that. Earlier this week. And, you know, Bo. and then as players are coming out of the tunnel yesterday, you know, all the things are wrapped up and, and you know, taped up for rivalry week. And you hear, you know, F UCLA coming from a couple of the players as they're coming out of the tunnel. Not prompted. No, no one said anything about UCLA. Just you know, throwing it out there. Just f UCLA to to start off the uh, practice day. So I think there's more animosity in this game, and maybe that leads to something unique or special happening. And that's what I hope for. Let's let's have something that's remarkable and rememberable, uh, whether it be rememberable, memorable. You're right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You got me. Uh, but let's have something like that. Let's have a, what was the UCLA, Washington State, you know, dramatic comeback. It was like 74 to 72 or whatever it was. Let's have something like that. I'm, I'm down for 150 points to be scored in this game. I don't care. Lots of highlights. Let's do it. The you, problem is when you say this, it's usually a horrible game. Oh, I think it's going to be a horrible game. No, no, no but like horrible where it's not enjoyable. I think it's going to be a horrible game. You want an egg bowl where the outcome of the game is decided because somebody... <laughs> 
piss like a dog <laughs> as a celebration. That's what you want. Yeah, something memorable. Let's go. Okay. You want Jackson Dart. It's a rivalry game. Why is something not like this popped up? Like, we've seen some dramatic statistical performances, but is anybody like, oh my God, it was the craziest play ever? No, that hasn't happened in a while. Let's do something like that. Shotgun, you're just, this is the season weighing on you. You just want something. Yeah, that's true. He, he's just desperate. This, this is what happens when there's no Drake London. You're, you're, yeah. Like, Drake London might do something like he did last year, just running through people. Just, you know, he might jump over three people and score a touchdown, but no Drake London means we got to hope and wish for something special to happen. It's so interesting because last year's UCLA game, I remember being like, oh, it seems like Gary Bryant has turned a corner. Like, this is like him rounding the corner and like he'll emerge come 2021. And that just didn't happen. It's weird. Hamstring. I know. He was banged up the entire spring camp. He was banged up most of the fall camp. You don't practice, you're not going to get better. And that's again, goes back to the mysterious absences. Yep. Alrighty, let's jump into some questions unless you guys have any final thoughts at the top of the show. I don't know why I'm British. I know. I don't know. This is the British Bake Off podcast. <laughs> also, don't look at me weird, Chris. You've been holding a pumpkin for the entirety of this episode. I just wanted to see if anyone would notice. Yeah, I've definitely noticed. Shaka has not noticed one. Is this, what is a pumpkin? Is this like a Bishop Farms plug? I just wanted to see if I could do it. Are you going to do I'm it this whole it. time? Yeah, I'm okay. going to see if I can do this the entire show. Okay, good luck. Okay. We have a question from a friend of the pod, Gustavo. Who said, how solid do you think the Cal versus USC game is at the end of the year? Based on the, t- the kickoff time and other games going on that day, it seems like it might just vanish from TV list- listings without anyone knowing. It's like like if no one covers it, does it happen? Is this like an apparition game? Like it's just going to disappear? It's gone. <laughs> I think it's going to happen. Or does he mean like televised? Well... It's going to be televised. Is, is he asking because he's like, uh, should I go to this game? Or are they actually going to televise it? Or are they just going to be like, suddenly there's just a black screen? Um, the game will be played. The game will be played. They will play. We got a question from Brandon who said, did this USC team quit? Is Corey Foreman actually injured or did he just quit? I mean, to address Corey, I mean, concussion protocols, pretty serious. I mean... It's quite an allegation. It's there. quite an allegation <laughs> to say someone's faking a concussion, but and Corey, uh, when I went back and watched the game uh, after hearing that he had a concussion, uh, he did. It seemed like he hit his head a couple times in the last couple plays he was in. He was diving to make one tackle, and it looked like the running back's foot came up or uh, a knee came up and hit him um, and hit him in the face mask. I don't know if that caused it or what it was, but yeah, it did. He did bump his head a couple times, so. Hopefully he gets healthy and he can get back out there. Did this team quit? That's a that's a much you know that's a spicy question as well. Um, I think they've quit in individual games. You know Stanford game, Oregon State. I think the fourth quarter those teams were done. Has this team quit overall? Mm, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, it, I think we didn't pass it on to us. Sorry. <laughs> I think that it's. I think they're trying. I don't think they've you know just given up, but I just don't think they tackle well, and I don't think the offensive scheme is great. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I've we've seen them like kind of give up in games, and yeah, we've seen the look of defeat on their faces after after losses. And but I still think they try. I don't think there's been like a such a, like a mass quitting or whatever. I don't get that vibe. Yeah, I just don't think they have a great mentality to begin with. Um, I don't think it's necessarily that they're quitting. It's just they don't have that fire. They don't have enough guys that are like Drake London, um, and not just talent-wise, but just 
the ferocity that he plays with. And I think that lends in itself to the tackling and some of the other things that they could be doing a little bit better. We got a question from Doug. It's actually a stock up, stock down submission. I don't know if this fully works, but we'll go with it. He said stock up or stock down that USC has zeroed in on one coach yet. A clear number one that they are going hard after. Clock is ticking. Interesting. I would say stock down. I don't think it's like guy on top of the yarn board. That's it. Bring me that. I think it's still like. Bring me. I think it's like like three or four. I think it's still being whittled down to like. So you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Yarn board as in the conspiracy theory yarn board. Yeah, yeah. Side. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, we have this person, this person, this one. How did, and then there's the, the person at the top, like the head honcho. I don't think it's like that. I don't think it's like the one. I think there's still like three or four up there. Like we got to do a little bit more and then we'll figure out the one or the two, whatever. I feel like that's what it is right now. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to see how this plays out because there continues to be more and more openings. And, you know, if the Miami job opens up, there's now there's probably three, at least three of the top ten jobs in the country with USC, LSU, and if Miami opens up. Um, you got Washington, which is a really good job in the Pacific Northwest. You know, there's been a couple of, of fill-ins already, Texas Tech and a, and a couple other ones. So it's just been a super interesting – Virginia Tech is a – Really nice job in the ACC as well. So it's been, you know, it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. But USC is still the crown jewel, even over LSU, because you can win immediately in the Pac 12. You can establish it as the West Coast stronghold um, and West Coast power. And so to me, that makes USC still the jewel. So I think that they still have their, they get the first choice kind of. And if they can talk any of the coaches that they want, um, then I think that 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 makes USC the, the the front runner for any of those coaches, but it's it's going to be interesting. And I think because of that, I think they're letting it play out. Um, I'm sure that they've done some behind the scenes interviews and stuff, and you know checked in. Uh, you know I, I know they've checked in pretty much with every top tier coach uh, at least. You know put out a filler there and seeing okay, is, you know would there be any interest? And so I think that they're doing all their due diligence. But I'm curious to see how it plays out. You know, it, the longer and longer it happens, I think the more and more antsy USC fans get because I feel like, okay, we got Clay Helton's gone, we're gonna get a new coach, and then as it, as it gets closer and closer to the end of the season, they start going, are, are we gonna get are we gonna get our guy? Are we getting the top guy? Are guys gonna say no? I think people are starting to get more and more antsy as it gets closer and closer to the end of the regular season. Yeah, I think it's just been such a unique experience given that you fired your head coach at the start of week three, like. It's just been really interesting in that sense and giving it the interim title to someone who's never even been a coordinator before, let alone head coach. I think my question for you guys is if USC is able to get who they want and fans are excited, does it make this kind of wash of a season okay because they were able to get to a head start? Or do you think that this season is just inexcusable to a certain degree because it's so kind of falling apart? I mean, I think either way, this season was on track to be like a poop show. I don't think there was any like salvaging the season. You know, I don't think I don't think this team was really. I mean, this team had the talent to go to the Pac-12 championship. But I even like had it early predictions like a 10 and 2 season. But I think 
I don't know what I'm saying. I've lost it. I don't like the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't really understand the question. Are you saying if they get someone good? Like, I think fans are frustrated at this point. I just think it's funny because they were so elated once Helton was actually fired. But now the frustration has crept back in. Do you think that frustration will be washed away and kind of the, the sins of this season are forgiven if there is a satisfying coaching hire? Yes, because new coaches heal a lot of things. Yeah, if in three years, you know, you're competing where you think you should be competing, then you forget about this year. But I think this year can also be a lingering effect because you're losing a lot of fans for one. Don't get excited about a new coach coming in, but I think you're going to lose. I mean, we've seen that there's not that 100% fight all the time in the players. And you start to wonder, you know, with the depth issues they have at certain positions, are they going to be able to turn things around quickly or how long is this rebuild going to be? Um, I, I think this year is showing you all those issues that USC has right now and shows you that, you know, financially they could have, they should have made a move two years ago probably to, to get rid of Clay Helton and try to turn things around a lot quicker with the players in Southern California, especially the 2020 class that, you know, just had a ton of talent in Southern California that USC missed on all of those guys. We got a fun question from Rob who said, um, and I'm going to tweak it because we're journalists. He says, you get one ticket, which would you rather cover USC in the college of all playoff or USC in the final four? Because I'm media, I would get to go to there, so I'm scalping this. So what can get me the highest Chris, ticket? That's boring. Price? She said cover. I said cover. Oh, I didn't hear cover. Because you don't listen to these questions. <laughs> I ever. don't, because I hate questions. Chris, you can't say that. Then cut it. <laughs> I'm not going to. Exactly. Your cynicism is... On this pod, cynicism. Cynicism. I heard citizenshipism. Sure. Uh, College football. Okay, shotgun. I'm only interested in your answer now. Hmm. I I think the I think the college football playoff. uh, There's so much hoopla around it, but uh, that's a tough one. I think I think I would rather cover USC in the Final Four, just because it would be such an accomplishment for USC to be there, whereas they should be in the college football playoff more. Um, you know, I, I think I it would mean, be at this point, I think both are, I'm changing my answer to, Oh, four. Oh, you want to join that? I thought it was a championship. It's just a playoff game. Like the opening playoff game. I mean, the final four is technically not. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's either. like, but it's like sexier. It's final four. Like who wants to cover CFP? I do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I rather, I'll take final four. Okay, here's a weird Can we answer. Do both? Though. That'd be great. Okay, in the same year. This, How about USC? So Let's fix your shit together. Annoying. Um, Florida did it. Why can't USC? Okay, here's my question, and <laughs> and and see if you agree with me because you're on the field with me. I feel like Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, those type of top tier bowls, they just don't feel like I'm covering a real game. Like there's so much pageantry that it feels like fake a little bit. Is that? I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's a little bit of a surreal scene, you know, everything that's going on. The, the stadium, I mean, there's when there's sixty to 100,000 people in a stadium and everyone is going wild, the Oklahoma-Georgia Rose Bowl that I covered 
was amazing. You know, it's you know, seeing Ugga down there and Terrell Davis and you know, all these random people and Lee Corso getting in the way all the freaking time when I'm trying <laughs> to shoot photos, but no one can say anything because it's Lee Corso. Um, you know, it's 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 such a unique experience. And I didn't even get to be a part of the entire pageantry of that event because USC was in the Cotton Bowl uh, a couple of days before that. So, you know, I think it's I just think there's so much invested in those that You've made me change my mind now. I don't go to college football playoff. Wow. I mean, I going to the Indianapolis uh, event last year, the bubble for the NCAA tournament, and USC making the Elite Eight was super unique and special. Um, you know, everyone being in the same city. So I would really, I would love to cover both of them, like I said. So USC, get your shit together. <laughs> You're capable. Shadi, you also put a thread on the P. For family feud questions, switching it up. So we have a couple for rapid fire. What's funny is the questions are mainly for you in this sense. Hell yeah. SDL Trojan, yeah, you can go back to sleep, Chris. Okay. Uh, said, would you would love to get your thoughts on the basketball team so far, just in general, how they look versus last year, what their ceiling is, etc. Hoop that is. Well done, Chris. <laughs> uh, the basketball team's off to a three-no start. Uh, just one at Temple. Just won at Florida Gulf Coast in the Dunk City reunion game, which is kind of cool. I mean, Andy Enfield got inducted with the 2013 Dunk City team that made the Sweet 16 first number 15 seed for Florida Gulf Coast, which ended up getting him the USC job on Monday. They got inducted, so that was cool to see them. I watched that induction, uh, the live stream that they had. And then, you know, for USC to play in front of a Pat capacity. And I think it's really good these two games that they got. USC is the only, I think, the only program, only Power Five program right now that has two true road wins uh, because most teams don't play true road games early this early in the season. But to go to Philadelphia and Temple's trying to be super physical, super rough with them, the crowd is very, you know, it's a very angry crowd in Philadelphia normally. And they're on top of you trying to, you know, and this is not played in Wells Fargo Arena, the NBA arena where a lot of the non-conference games are played for Temple or Villanova early in the season for big-time games. This is on their home court. You know, it's a very much more compact arena, people on top of you. For them to win there, even when they had a big lead and they started to give it away to close it out, especially at the free throw line late, and then to go to Florida Gulf Coast, and they had – the capacity is 4,600, and they had 4,509. So they, somehow they couldn't get the, the last 91 people in the, in the arena to make it a sellout. But you know everyone's on top of you in those small arenas, and everyone was hyped up for this game. Uh, it was one of the biggest games for Florida Gulf Coast. It was the first time a Power, power 6, because the, you know, the Big East is including the Power 5 uh, or with the Power 5 in basketball, first time a Power 6 opponent had come to their arena, Alico Arena, for Florida Gulf Coast, since Andy Enfield's team beat Miami there in 2012, uh, early in the season, the 2012-2013 season, and then that Miami team ended up winning the ACC that season. So you know that's why no one's like, no, nah, we're not going to play that that team there. So USC went, kind of did them a favor, and you know they were able to you know pull away in the second half, and they showed their depth. They've got you know a very deep team. They've got eight to ten guys they can play every single game. All 13 scholarship players can play. So it's a unique team. It's a little bit different than last year. They don't have Evan Mobley, so they've got to you know make up for all the different things he he does. But they're playing good defense uh, once again, which is the big key for this team. And with the depth they have, and with the experience they have, with guys like Chavez Goodwin and Isaiah White, you know being able to provide different things, I think it's a really unique team. Chavez Goodwin has been phenomenal the last two games. He had 19 points at Temple. He had 20 against uh, Florida Gulf Coast, which is his USC career high. 
So he's he finishes down by the rim, which gives them a you know a great option. And Isaiah Mobley is so versatile, and Boogie Ellis has added a different dynamic on the wing for them. And he had a ter- tremendous dr- debut when they beat CSUN by 40 in their season opener. He had 20 on 9 of 11 shooting. So he's a guy that can, that can heat up real quick and adds a different element to their wings that they haven't had. So I, I think it's a unique team and should be fun to watch them this season and how they progress and how you know the the, the biggest question I think will be how do they keep everybody happy when you have 13 guys that can all play? You know, you have four true or you have four freshmen that are talented guys and they barely played at all last night. So, um, you know, if you can keep everybody happy, I think this is a team that could do some special things. Well done to the Chris. What's your title for him? The world's greatest USC basketball <laughs> beat writer. Yeah, for sure. Now he's taking a sip of water because he knows he's going to have to go back to the answering of questions because Crown City jumped in on the P and said, similarly, any insights on how the baseball team is shaping up? I just want to point out that you before this said, shotgun, keep it brief. And you've now given him two (laughs) open-ended basketball and baseball questions. I just feel bad when people ask questions and we don't answer them we asked for them why not answer them this will be a little bit more brief just because i haven't got a chance to get out and check out the the baseball team this fall um they bring back some interesting pieces as far as tyrese turner um raylan thomas these are guys that are super athletic they can get on base and create a a ton of um a ton of action on the bases when they get on add deandre uh, uh deandre smith i believe it is to to that mix as well he's a you know if they can keep him healthy he should be really good couple of nice freshmen they're excited about that have come in and then the question is going to be on the mound you know if they can get enough pitching this season that was an area where they struggled with a little bit last year part of it was they had some guys suspended at the for basically a third of the season uh at the beginning of the year so being able to develop the pitching that'll be something if they can do that then they can you know they should be able to compete in the Pac-12 it'll be a little bit different team this year where they've got to rely on that speed, that athleticism more than being able to hit the long ball because they won't have Jamal O'Gwen and Ben Ramirez in the middle of the lineup. So, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit different team, but I think that they could, you know, cause some, can create some havoc on the base pass and create some havoc in the Pac-12 if they can get enough pitching. Well done. Brief, brief, briefly. Chris, you got to pay attention for this one. King mm. of LA said, what are your opinions on Fickle versus Aranda? Also, if Chris no longer works for the Daily Facts, how frequently does he write facts? Weekly, bimonthly, semi-annually? I mean, I think that last one is for you two. I mean, you tend to write facts daily. Look, I have a quota every month. It's about stories, not facts. <laughs> if there's some facts sprinkled in of these stories I write every month, then yeah. So I think daily is the answer. Uh, compare Fickle and Aranda. Well, both defensive-minded coaches. Both, um, you know, building programs... Uh, I don't really know where to go from there. Both building programs that are not traditional powers, um, and and both will be in the Big Twelve eventually together. Um, both probably the two highest stocks of any coaches right now. Yeah, of um, yeah, like the, the USC like centered like opening jobs is what I'm saying. Yeah, the only other guy that you would throw in the mix that has risen his stock as much as those two guys this year is Mel Tucker mm-hmm. um, at Michigan State. And speaking of, it broke during this podcast. He just got a $95 million extension. Whoa. How many years? I did not click through because I was paying Probably a 10-year mm. extension there. I mean, they're they're trying to lock that up. And that, yeah. that tells you uh, everything you need to know about um, – 
you know, this, Tenure, yeah. the seriousness in the Big Big Ten. You know, they found a coach that they think has can lead them to the promised land. So they're going to make sure that they lock that up and not let him go to LSU or go to somewhere else like that. So that takes one coach off the board, but should take one coach off the board. Aranda's right? like ninety six mil. Yeah, he's looking around like Baylor. Where's, where's that Waco money? Where's that? Uh, is that oil money? Where's that oil? Where's that renovation money? Sure. Well, she wasn't ready for that. No, I was not. <laughs> she was like, sure. No, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought you had a second part of the question to answer. I did. I did. It you first. did it first. It threw me off. Alrighty. <laughs> yes. To get back to those two guys, both uh, both defensive, like Chris said, both have shown that they can recruit at a high level. You know, Fickle at or at Ohio State had some really big names. Aranda didn't have to do as much at LSU because he had Ed Orgeron and Corey Raymond there. But also look at the defensive talent that they were able to bring in. Aranda definitely played a part in that as a defense coordinator. And Aranda is obviously, if you listen to any of his press conferences, he's a super intelligent mind, cerebral coach. Doesn't bring a ton of energy and enthusiasm like some of the guys that USC has had. But maybe that's what USC needs. Maybe they need the person who's just going to quietly go about destroying opponents because that's what uh, Baylor's defense has been able to do. And then Fickle, you know, obviously building that Cincinnati program and taking them and everyone talking about them, college football playoff, college football playoff, over and over and over, shows you what he's capable of doing. And this is going to be a rebuild for whoever comes in. And both those coaches have shown that they can rebuild a program uh, that they've taken over. Fickle, it took a little bit longer at Cincinnati because of it being Cincinnati um, and not being in a power conference. But look at all the talented players they have. Look at all the NFL guys that they put out the last couple years and then also on the roster this year. Now it's time to actually transition to take or leave it. Chris T. Right. Time for you to turn your brain back on. Click. And that was me clicking. Do your thing. Guys, I think it's clear that USC has obviously gone through a breakup early in the year. Okay. Helton, USC parted ways. I think I've made this comparison before on some point in my life or this month or this year. You know, it's it's a bad breakup. Okay. Both 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 have split. These these games, these weeks, they replicate, you know, those months after a breakup. It's painful, it's sloppy. Uh, you make a lot of mistakes being made in the aftermath. A lot of tears, a lot of frustration, you know, all those things are going on right okay, now. Okay, speak for yourself, but yes. Mm. Whoa. But there is always <laughs> hope. Saying, well, he, Whoa. He said it was sloppy. I'm like, what's sloppy? Sorry, continue. There is always hope at the end. And we're getting there. A brand new relationship is coming for USC football. So that only makes sense that this week, fake corporate sponsor, FCS this week, is Tinder. And we're helping them launch their new college football fan-based dating app okay. for specific markets. So we're helping out with the USC market that's launching next month, Love of Troy. <laughs> Not to be confused with Rain of Troy. Not to be confused with Rain of Troy, who we love. Oh, nice. Right. Hold on. It's super easy. It's a swipe left, swipe right. Helps you match with your idea, ideal USC fan, your soulmate. Interesting. We okay. have we have some, and we it combines a little bit like Hinge. You can have your own little prompts that you fill out to match out. Okay. To find the matches, you know, are you 
is stock neutral thing. <gasps> oh my god! Wow. You two not compatible off the bat. <laughs> yeah, we knew that. Favorite commit of all time. Oh, interesting. When did you know Helton wasn't the guy? <laughs> this is like the P, but dating edition. Sure. LA is one of the five major college football markets that these dating apps will be rolled out. We also have Michigan. Jimmy H is putting his face on that. Jimmy H. Florida, Ohio, and Texas. They already signed up Pole Assassin and the Monkey. <laughs> So we're an elite group. We're an elite grouping right now. We're with that freaking monkey. I know what you're thinking. No Alabama, too many relatives. It's going to be a problem. So they just decided to ax that. Take a break from the actual SC football and leave loneliness behind with your fight on soulmate. Tinder, swipe right on Aranda. Aranda. Thank you to Tinder. We're so excited. All of us, we have profiles already set up. We're j- I, I know some of us aren't available, but it's for the brand. So we just have to do it for a couple weeks to get this check money. All right? So let's jump into it. I feel like this will turn into the Trojan War. Keaton Slovis of- will play again this season. Let's just run through these. Oh, I meant to ask this during our little question and answer session. What do you think is going to happen if... Look at her just take over. Yeah, no, what, sorry, what, sorry. what are we doing? Fine, never mind. Get out of no, here. No, okay, fine. Sorry. Get out of here. So my hat was still on. I'll take it off. Mute yourself right now. Mute yourself right now. Bye. Shotgun, start us off. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly. Is he going to come back from this injury? Where's the injury at? Um, when he comes back, is he getting Wally pipped? What a pip. Um, it seems like that. You know, they want to run with Jackson Dart. Will the offense be successful with Jackson Dart? And that's a big question to me. I know a lot of people are saying Jackson Dart's the guy, it's taking over, and it's going to be everything's going to be great. But the offense was terrible last week. Without Drake London, this offense doesn't go. And if teams can stack the box and they don't get the run game going, it puts so much pressure on the quarterbacks, and neither quarterback looked really good last week. With only one quarterback, hopefully Jackson Dart can get in a rhythm. If that's the case, then I don't think you see Keaton Slovis again. But I don't have much confidence that this offense can get anybody in the rhythm right now. So you're leaving it that he's going to play again this season? I think so. Okay. You may unmute yourself. Welcome back. Thanks. I did actually mute myself. Yeah, I know. I was just telling people who aren't in the studio currently with us. Take it or leave it. What was the original prompt again? Keaton Slovis will play again this season. I'm going to leave it. Okay. I'm taking a bold leave it there. Which would be crazy because the last time USC fans probably see him is a split game with Dart in Arizona. Weird. Weird. Moving on. December 4th, that game will have bowl bid implications. I'm going to be optimistic and take it that USC wins one of these next two games. Can you repeat December 4th will have bowl game implications. I'm going to say take it just because this season will not end. And that's the way it will (laughs) work. Great way to look at it. Thanks. I even gave you context clues and you still weren't listening. You get on Chris for not listening and you still didn't know. I'm giving him a a taste of his own medicine. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It's delicious. (laughs) At least two Trojans will play in the Reese's Senior Bowl. Sorry, I only uh, recognize the Reese's. 
Senior Bowl. Reese's Senior Bowl. Where do you lie on the Reese's debate? Reese's Reese's. Delicious candy. That's where I don't. Okay, we're taking fine. the wrong <laughs> Sorry. issue here. Sorry, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna leave it. Oh, because I don't think there's gonna be a ton of USC players that leave. Okay. I feel like it's gonna be like Keontae Ingram and like Chris Steele. It's, it'll be interesting. I don't know what their criteria is going to be this year with the COVID season. You know, um, Chris Steele, I don't think, would be eligible uh, for it as a third-year guy. So maybe Liam Jimmins gets in. Um, Andrew Voorhees? I don't think Andrew Voorhees leaves. I think he's got another year of eligibility. I think he should should come back. Um, maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, did not get to, I forgot to ask him yesterday about it. Did ask Brett Nealon about it, and he said, we'll see. At the end of the season, Keely asked Keontae Ingram. He said basically the same thing. We're going to play these three games out, and then we'll see. Um, Ingram, yes, and then I don't know. Uh, maybe Liam Jimmins. So maybe two. So you're kind of teaving it. it. Oh. Kind of Keelying it. Oh. What? How can you kind of teave it? Kind of teaving. That's like a teave is a kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on. I, I should oh, also point out there that we go. There we go. Got, got to get that in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should also point out that because of the extra COVID season, again, I don't know exactly how they're determining who's going to be eligible for that or not. There's a ton of more talent as well because the guys came back and had an extra year. Some guys playing that six year, so it's going to be point. more difficult to to make those rosters. A lot of people are committing right now for the Reese's. Mm-hmm. Reese's. Reese's. Uh, Jackson Dart, 300 passing yards this weekend. I'm gonna take it. UC, uh, excuse me, UCLA secondary isn't that great, right? Yeah. You, are, you are correct. Oh, yeah. I was just looking for some confirmation yes. here. Uh, Lake in the back end has been very good for them, uh, but is he healthy? I, I haven't checked on that in recent. I know he was banged up a little bit earlier. Um, I'm gonna leave it because I don't know that this offense is going to go. I hope it does. Be much more fun. I want to see that 150 points put on the board, but I don't see it happening. So I'm gonna leave it. I just want to say that Ryan Abraham has just walked into the studio. Ryan, we're in the middle of take it or leave it. Do you want to play with us? Uh, sure. <laughs> oh goodness. This is a this is a historic thing. You can get over here on this mic with us. Come over here, Ryan. Sure. Get on the headset. Get on the headset. Look I'm calling that. audible. Wow. Oh, you have the headset. Okay. Okay. We only got a couple more to go. Okay. Am I on? You are on. What an honor to be on. <laughs> Family Feud. Am I, mean, I the... Special we, guest appearance. We have the actor, Ryan Abraham, have, on the episode. Well, so Chris is the cousin of the pod. Can I be like the weird stepbrother uncle? twice removed you're from the, the weird, pod? You're the weird uncle of weird the uncle. pod. Oh, yeah. I can be a weird uncle. I can do that. <laughs> no, you're just an a- you're just acting like you're a member. You know, I, just, yeah. Now that you're an actor. Yeah, I, I have stick. to now go watch the All-American yeah, tell the people where you were this morning. Yeah, so this morning I did a 5 a.m. call time to go shoot a volleyball scene for All American uh, on CW, and I was, I was. This is this is really what my call sheet said: old ass volleyball guy. So there was. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, old ass volleyball. Guy. <laughs> well, it said old volleyball guy, but then for like wardrobes, it was like old ass volleyball clothes, <laughs> and it was like, but all of us were like, I don't know, in our late 40s, 50s, and everyone's like, you guys look young for volleyball guys but we basically we had to beat the crap out of the young guys on the show the old guys in the volleyball teach Did them a you? lesson oh yeah it was good nice Ryan, don't be giving away oh i'm sorry am i allowed to do that i don't know they didn't say <laughs> did you sign an nda no i don't know <laughs> dude i'm not an act like everyone there was actors 
one of the guys that was on our team was like the Red Power Ranger. Like you guys would know who that is. I don't oh know. wow, celebs! It was crazy. Add a old ass volleyball guy on All American on your uh, your Twitter bio. Yeah, but you know okay. how well, as soon as it airs, yeah, for sure. The beginning of the the YouTube intro, you're like, this is Ryan Abraham, publisher and owner of. YouTube. Can you do that with actor or old ass volleyball? Old guy? ass volleyball, probably old ass volleyball. Do, do guy. it for us right now. Uh, well, what is so Ryan Abraham, publisher of USAFootball.com, actor, old ass volleyball guy. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. That's beautiful. Thank you. But First, I love that you know the show, Chris. So I now have to go intimately, watch it. Deeply. Yeah. <laughs> I, he was like, who are the characters? Who are you playing with? And I, you know, to be fair, I thought it was like, oh, I thought it might be like something like this. Like I'd be on a court with the these young guys, and then shotgun to practice yesterday. He's like. No, he'll just be in the background. I'm like, oh, okay. So I like. Yeah, Chuckett specifically his, was like, his roommate the works in the, in the industry. So I figured, you know, he would know what's going on. But then I'm like, so we're just in the That's background. Your first mistake. And they're like, oh, no, we're playing against those dudes and we have to like beat them. And you have to do the thing, same thing like over and over again. Are you sore? Hammering balls. No, there was like the, the nets like way low. Like it was plastic volleyball with no logos on it. Like it, hey, wow. don't steal the, th- steal the magic here. Don't give everything <laughs> Sorry. away. I know it was fun. It was a fun. Uh, People aren't going to think you, you actually got up to hit hit anything hard here. I know. should have made you sign an NDA. <laughs> one of the dudes though is good. Like one, he was. A, he's actually a good volleyball player. So he was hammering balls. The tall guy, JJ, the tall guy. So watch him, Chris. Like Ryan, Chris, I feel like Chris was to fan, play. Yeah, Chris yeah, was fanboying out a lot. He knew all the players. Where I sent a picture of like. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that. Window. Like I took a picture early. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, you're not really supposed to do that. Like, don't post that on social media, <laughs> Ryan. I'm no actor. I just, you know, you are now. I was just a guy. It you was are fun. Now. Yeah, okay. I was, a, I was a, a glorified extra. I was a special old ass guy. No, spe- was it? They call it special abilities extra. So I was like an extra <laughs> yeah. that was literally like that's what they called it. Like because I was, I was there for volleyball, like an X Men. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That was just fun. Okay. Uh, very quickly, the rules. You take it. I'm gonna say a statement. You take it or you leave it. All right. That's it. You can give explanation if you want. You don't have to, but keep it brief. Uh, Jackson Dart has some sort of flashy touchdown celebration this this weekend. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it because I feel like he was a little you know they they kind of persecuted him a little bit after that last <laughs> after the layup and you know and I feel like what makes him spe- why are you going him out there? He's a special guy. If he gets out and scores a crazy touchdown, let him do something fun. So yeah, spin the ball. Whatever you're gonna do. I don't think he will be allowed to do it, but I think he's going to do it anyway. Ooh, so you're so, taking it? Yeah. I'm going to leave it, but I hope it happens. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. Moving on. If he did a layup, what does he got to do now? <laughs> Is he going to throw a dunk down? Do you specifically wait for when he yeah, says I moving on? A classic... <laughs> A component of this is every time I'm moving on, Shotgun just jumps right in with yep. an addition. Do you always hold minute. the pumpkin, too, while you're doing no, that? No, this is something <laughs> new I'm doing. I'm just... Yeah, he's I've done it the entire show. The whole show. Oh. All right, well. Uh, barring barring injury, Andrew Voorhees will be the left tackle starter for the remainder of the season. Ooh, remainder of the season? Barring injury. I'm actually going to take it based on talking to McGuire on Tuesday. He sounded like he liked the way that uh, five were gelling, Voorhees, Dietrich, and you know the rest. So I think I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it too. I feel like this, they're going to kind of go with that. And uh, Dr. Williams had some nice things to say about, um, you know, Cortland Ford. But I talked to Justin Dietrich after practice. He just seemed real comfortable there. We know Clay McGuire is a big fan of Dietrich's. So I think they're going to they're gonna roll with this one through the rest of the season. I'm going to take it as well. Um, and it's interesting 
Uh, I, I talked to Andrew Voorhees, and he said he's getting more comfortable. He'd only basically practiced the, the week going into the Arizona State game. was the first time he practiced at left tackle since he was in high school. So he's getting a little bit more comfortable now. He's getting some more practice time. But I think it's interesting that last few games of a season, you're not getting young guys more experience. They're putting all the most experienced guys out there. No John Monheim, no Cortland Ford, the two redshirt freshmen that started as the bookend tackles. Now you got Dietrich in there, who's a fourth-year guy, I believe. And then you got Jalen McKenzie in there, who's a fifth-year guy. So now USC has fourth to six-year guys all the way through the offensive line. So it's just kind of interesting. Normally, if you, you know, some people have actually asked us, hey, do you, now that the season's quote unquote over and you can't make a championship game or anything like that, do you just get the young guys' experience? And when you got an interim staff and a staff that doesn't know if they're going to be here, they're not going to do that. They're trying to, you know, put as much good tape on as, as they can as well. They want to have the best performances. So I think it's interesting that they're putting all the veteran experienced guys out there now. Moving on, Drake London will be a finalist for the Blitnikoff. Made the semifinalist cut earlier this week. Finalists are only three, so it goes from ten to three. So he'll be one of three. I know that's a tough number. You want to start, Kayla? No. I'll take it. I'll take oh, it. Okay. Um, he's, he's not going to win, but I think that he'll get – I think that everyone recognizes what he did uh, through the first eight games, and they'll say, hey, he deserves to be a finalist, but he's not going to win it. Uh, for that reasoning, I'm going to take it. This is why we usually don't let Keeley go behind Excuse me because she me. just I did the last two first. <laughs> well, just to, I'm going to leave it. So I thought to talk to uh, Kerry Colbert after, the, after uh, practice on Tuesday, and he said – not only does he think he deserves it, he's going to win it. So he really feels he's going to win it. I feel like you give him the top ten is something you give the guy that played the first you know, seven-plus games. I think getting to the top three, they're going to get someone that's gone throughout the rest of the season. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. I feel he's you know, very deserving of all the accolades, but just no one's ever won it that had less than ten games. Honestly, I'm just going whatever the opposite of Kerry Culver says at this point. Uh, when it comes so you're going to leave it now, then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I take that he's going to be a finalist, but the, if saying that he's going to win it, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Is that that, that wraps it up. Wow, look at that. Nice. Oh, he didn't get into the fun ones? No. Oh, does he want to do the fun ones? <laughs> oh, I do Then either. we do fun ones. Okay. Let's I, 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 have, I have only a couple fun ones. Uh, so same thing. Just going to throw out something out there. You need to take it or leave it. Uh, earthquake Twitter. Oh, take it. I love Earthquake Twitter. Take it. How else do you, are you supposed to know that an earthquake has happened? Yeah. You, and when it's not just your own body shaking. I do love, t- I'll take it. I love it. If you're like four in the morning, you roll over and tweet earthquake, and then you get like a zillion replies. So it's, it's up oh. there with the high speed chase thing, but yeah, Earthquake Twitter is good. The engagement levels on Earthquake Twitter, excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Crypto.com Center. T- leave that <laughs> to the what? moon. What? Leave it. I don't. It's Staples Center it's is now Crypto.com not... Center. <laughs> yeah, I just went on Sunday. It was still Staples Center. Well, <laughs> well still starting says, in it December. It still says Staples. It's in gonna the front. be the day after Christmas. I'm gonna leave it too. I just, you know, I, I Staples at the beginning it's like corporate, but now it's just like the building. The yeah. Great Western Forum, like that where the you know in Inglewood where the Lakers originally played. That was great. Like that sounded like a stadium name, Great Western. But that's a bank. Like it was an actual thing, but it just made it sound very cool. The crypto.com does not sound cool at all. Like there's just not crypto. you need a word or something. Yeah. Crypto. The crypt. The, that's probably Welcome what we to call the crypt. Ah. Which would be much better if it wasn't for basketball. Like basketball does not fit the crypt 
You know, it needs to be like a football team that's you know the Raiders or something where it's just you know a great defense. You go into the crypt, you don't come out. I love food ones on this. Reese's is really is releasing a three point five pound peanut butter cup pie. So it's a giant Reese's. Ryan, I feel like you have to go first. Okay, so (laughs) can I get the thickness on it? What is the? It's pretty thick. It's It's a thick. It's thirty something pounds. It's just it's just a giant Reese's cup. No one. I mean, me and twelve year old boys have the same like sweet tooth (laughs) sort of palate. So like that's a nice. Yes, yeah. like literally, I will eat anything sweet. Oh, but it looks um, cool, Ryan. I, look at this. Let me see what I got to see what it looks like. I mean, it's oh, a giant. Like it's okay, it's like so a, it's like a piece like, of pie. It's like a pie, but the cup. Here's the thing: you need the, a good ratio of chocolate to peanut butter, and the smaller bites you got the chocolate around the peanut. Like that's going to be a ton of peanut butter to bite through, like an actual cake or this pie. Is a good point. I th- so for me, um, it's got to be a good ratio. I'm going to leave this Ooh. one, even oh, though it's really wow. tough for me, because obviously bigger, cho- but I'd rather have like a handful of small ones where I got chocolate around them than a, than a huge piece of peanut butter. Interesting. Also, where do you lie on the Reese's versus Reese's since you're originally <laughs> an East Coast really guy? I do Reese's. Yeah, I don't okay. say Reese's. But okay. who, where's the Reese's from? Who says I think that? it's an East Coast thing. Reese's? Tweet us if you know. Yeah. Whatever again on this debate, um, I'm taking it, and also you got to add some ice cream on there, and mm. then you get some chocolate ice cream, add some more ratio. It's mm. So good. Okay, right. uh, I'm gonna leave it. Okay. Seeing this picture of the filling, I don't know if I would like that. It's the regular peanut butter filling, but it, but what Ryan said, it's like a foot of it. Oh I mean, an inch of it. So good. No, it's like a, if you know, like a two foot, layer cake. Yards. If you had it like a double layer cake, where you had like a layer of chocolate in the middle, <laughs> like you could do some of that. I would, I'd be on board. But just all. All the filling? Ryan, you would eat it. I, of course I would eat it. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, Noah Syndergaard, 11 wins for the Angels next season. <laughs> wow, so you're putting a win on it? Oh, my goodness. Oh, look at Keely. Stressing so semi, hard. Semi-happy about this? Okay, I'm going to talk about this and not <laughs> say take it or leave it. I am encouraged that the front office is taking risks and trying to get whatever pitching they can get. So, eleven wins. Did anyone in the last like three years get eleven wins for? I almost said USC for the Angels. I don't think so. I think so. Yeah, when you win like sixty-two games, it's hard to get eleven of the wins. <laughs> right, so. Yeah, that's actually very accurate. <laughs> that is a good point. So you're leaving it? I'm leaving it because he's gonna like pitch one game. It's gonna be incredible, and then he's gonna feel soreness in somewhere, okay. and then that's it. Okay. As a fan of the World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, uh, I'll, I'll take this. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I'll take Whatever. this. Whatever. You won championship and you're yeah, all high I mean, and mighty. I'll take it. He'll go like 11-11 or something. You know, they, Trout will be back, right? Otani hit a bunch of bombs. Come on. Like, yeah, <sighs> okay. they got to they get heavy some wins. Side. they got to get some wins. Uh, I'll, I'll support fine. you, Keels. Thank you. Thank you. They're ignorant. That's why they're taking that it. That is why, yes. <laughs> I did call the 62 wins, but whatever. And that wraps up. Uh, take it or leave it. Thank you to Tinder. Get on love of Troy. He has no idea what we're talking about. He didn't <laughs> stand that we're the partners of the new USC dating app, Love of Troy. Oh, very nice. It's like it's the pair style, but for dating. Hey, I mean, hey, hey. We hey, have, hey, we've got single listeners. You know, come on. Oh, okay. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And what? Oh, and one. Okay. Yes. It just okay. never stops, right? It just we never just stops. I know they had one. I was waiting okay. for it. Oh, okay. I, was, I, was I didn't waiting. know if you're... <laughs> I, I listened to you guys. Sometimes so. since, you do. Since Ryan is here, we're going to go with the food one. Okay. Just in honor of the out. food man. Uh, a, a rich investor comes to you and says, here, here's $100,000. 
build how rich is he Come whatever <laughs> build your own food truck oh. what is your food truck Ooh. that you're sending out into the world your baby you get like six months to plan it you get all the money blank check here's the here's the get the paint job whatever you want hire the best chefs. what what is the food truck that you're putting out for the world so I got a super truck, super burger, super truck. So I like making these super burgers, which are basically like a meatloaf burger. So you take, uh, say you have like, you know, a couple pounds of ground beef, usually a couple eggs, breadcrumbs, you know, the, bind ground, that, the, bind that. the ground beef, the binding, uh, Lowry's, a lot of Lowry's salt all over the place. Dice up onions, stick them in there. And I know Shotgun doesn't like that. He's not <laughs> an onion guy. <laughs> but they're all cooked in there. Uh, grated cheese and oh. put it all together. And like, it's a super thick. Really juicy burger, and then I put you know a slice of cheese on top of that. Then we can do some, I, you know, it might just be like the, it's only the super burger, but we could do like bacon on top or like yeah, blue cheese, or whatever you want. Like we do stuff like that. But mine would be the super burger truck. So okay. I like making those burgers. Nice. I dig it. Obviously, you'd have like a beyond uh, option and a vegan option. Probably not. Okay, no, never not, mind. Then. That's not my thing. <laughs> do you know Ryan Abraham? Yeah. How come we've never had a sense of the super burger? How long I've have I been for, for you? I've like. I've made stuff for you okay, guys. Okay, I know, but the super burger. I, I could like do that, can, yeah. Okay, no, it's fine. Right. I probably can't eat it based on the ingredients. Not sure. Oh, well, there's there's breadcrumbs yes, in there. Yes, that's yeah. why I was saying. Is there um, gluten-free breadcrumbs? There are, actually. There are, there are. If you uh, wanna, I could, I could oh, make that. Nice. Yeah. This podcast is so long. I The first thing that came to my mind was uh, stuffed churros. So, like, Nutella stuffed churros, whatever kind of so, stuffing oh, you so want. So, you're going with, like, a dessert truck? Yeah, dessert okay. truck. With some ice cream. Ooh. Yeah. If I, mean, I was I could, making everything, I'd have to do desserts because that's really all I cook. Um, <laughs> no, you're hiring the whatever you want but to get it done. I was going to say I would instead have a barbecue truck. Oh. Um, and going to have a consultant of Craig Nivar. You know, Ooh. he's going to come in help out. Oh. You guys would make a good team. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that that's the ideal way to go. And you know, who knows? It might happen. We have a late question for the pod. I'm sorry, but I'm doing this because Ryan is on it. Oh. We got a question from Andrew who said, Is Luke Fickle and Inside Troy look alike? Just change the hair color and thickness. I've actually been asked this before. Really? Apparently, you look like Luke Fickle. I right? do? Okay. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like when people I, say I look like people, I've heard like Jerry Seinfeld before or Adam Sandler. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some Luke Fickle, I guess. He looks like he could be your cousin. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. I, I get, get I get like cousin vibes. He's got darker hair than I do. Yeah. I got Hence more why Andrew said change the hair color and thickness. Yeah. There you go. I have pretty thick hair though. I have like I don't know if he's talking about my No, hair. he's talking about like I think body thickness. I don't know. Oh no, probably hair thickness. I got I got tons of hair, Andrew. Like this, this I gotta get a cut all the time. It's ridiculous. Wow. For a fifty year old. I don't know how old is he. Is he he's probably younger than me, I would say. He's like in his forties or something. Um he is forty eight. Okay. We're close. Yes. I would have been right on. Nice. Yeah. What do you guys think that or no? Shotgun, Shotgun, I, you, Shotgun you, you would notice answer. this kind of stuff. Like you're more of like. No, I don't notice that's, lookalikes at all. That's the d- joke, right? You're trolling him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, no clue. <laughs> yeah. People look like they're you know, people you, they are. You know, Petros. He's big and he's a big observationalist. Like he uh, uh, observes all this kind of stuff. So he would tell you instantly like five features of why I would or wouldn't look like him. He would just you should, know that right you away. You should ask him. All oh, right, it's time. Chris is playing us off. <laughs> We're gonna oh. play off music, which is probably a good call. Thank you, Ryan, for your guest impromptu appearance. Yeah, thanks for having me Glad on. Glad to have you and the sodas you brought to the office. It's an honor. Uh, well, that's going to wrap it up for the Family Feud podcast. Have a good rivalry week. Did it wrap up music? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and next week is Thanksgiving. We'll probably have an interesting schedule. We'll stay tuned for that. 
But that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. That's Ryan. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week.